You are listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show, friend. Trust us when we say we don't take it lightly and we are stoked out of our minds that you choose to direct your time and attention to our show each week. We seriously love you so much and we are so glad that you are here and a part of this community. Now, I want you to raise your hand if any of this sounds familiar. You feel like you're not getting many or possibly any inquiries. And when you do, half the time, they either ghost or they respond saying you're way out of budget. Or maybe you just feel so confused on how to clearly and confidently communicate your experience and your skill without coming across like a pushy car salesman or a desperate clingy boyfriend because ew, gross to both of those. If you raised your hand at any of that, you are in the right place because today's podcast episode is going to talk all about a few step-by-step sales strategies to eliminate all of those pain points. Today, Lindsay and I unpack some strategic sales principles that you can implement everywhere from your website to your client consults, all the way to the follow-up emails after sending a proposal. We also sprinkle in our personal thoughts, opinions, and experiences as both business owners and our experiences as clients, which have both shaped a lot of how we seek to communicate with our clients, stand out from the crowd, and actually close the sales. This episode will be a mixture of step-by-step strategies and tools paired with our typical casual girl chat and personal stories. So you may want to grab a pen and paper and get ready to take all the notes while we chat through one of the biggest elements of increasing our revenue, sales strategies. So you want to grow on Instagram, but you don't know where to start. You may even be posting out the wazoo, but you're still not seeing any progress. Here's the deal. While being consistent is key to growing on the gram, it's not the only thing you need. In fact, one of the most important aspects of growing on social media comes down to strategy. In order to create a killer social media strategy where you're not only attracting new clients, but turning them into paying clients, you need a plan. Yes. And today we are about to help you create a customized social media marketing strategy for free that will result in a ton of Instagram growth that will turn into sales and business growth. Now, are you ready to deep dive? We thought so. Grab our freebie, how to define and establish your content pillars at theheartuniversity.com forward slash pillars. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Good morning. Or good afternoon. Or good, or good evening. Whenever or, you're listening. Or 2 a.m. I don't know why you'd be listening to this at 2 a.m., but... You do, you, girls. It's probably or like a, a freshly postpartum, like nursing mom or something that's like up in the middle of the night with her baby is just like sitting here in her headphones we feeling are, called out in this moment. We are <laughs> not here to judge what time you are listening to this. I don't know why yes. I said good morning, but hello. Hello. Today. Welcome back to the show. We are so excited for this conversation. It's going to be a fast, harsh, not harsh, fast, quick good, deep, what am I trying to say? Good dive into sales strategies, specifically this kind of step-by-step, some basic, like one after the other principles of walking a client through, finding you, inquiring all the way to signing a proposal that Lindsay and I firmly believe in and utilize every day in our businesses. And I I will say this is for service-based. 
Yes. Pretty, pretty much. This is not product. This yes. is for a service base that you are dealing with like booking clients. It's yes. not, obviously we're speaking from a photography, for, for, well, words, photography perspective, but this would or apply. coaching. Yeah, or coaching, but this would apply to any service-based. Yes. And I, we want to also preface, so Lindsay preface that, but then we also want to say there are multiple ways and multiple sales strategies to convert clients, to try to get the sale, and some find success or alignment in other methods. Like what Lindsay and I teach and believe very firmly in is not necessarily the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. However, we personally really love these methods, these strategies, because A, they've worked so well for us, but also they feel very aligned and ethical in our opinion that it, it, it doesn't feel in any way like slimy or, or manipulative or anything, which some of the other methods do feel a little bit that way to us. And I'm not trying to say like, those are slimy or manipulative. It just, it doesn't feel aligned for us. And some of the other methods, um, just to like give you some clarity if you're like, what are you talking about? Um, some of the other methods are doing things like a sliding pricing scale. So you know, you learn the client's budget before you ever give them a quote. So if somebody has a budget of 10 grand, you might quote them 10 grand. Whereas if Even they though have a, that's not maybe your normal pricing. Yeah, your normal pricing might be around like four. But if they, if they put on like an inquiry form that they have a budget of eight to 10, you're going to quote them like 10, you know. So there's some sliding scales on like, you know, your pricing uh, strategy, or like you refuse to give them any pricing until they get on a sales call with you. And then you like kind of pitch them and try to like get them to know you like you. And then you tell them the the price point. The, so those are a few other like different methods as well as like, just, just there's different things in the sales strategy world that Lindsay and I have chosen to not implement in our businesses and to not teach because they don't feel aligned ethical yeah aligned for like what where we stand on like the ethical world of sales however that's not to say that ours is the only way it is 100% black and white the right way to do things like I know some amazing entrepreneurs who utilize different methods and like feel very good about them and see good results with them so We're going to teach today what we firmly believe in and what we've seen incredible results with both in our own businesses as well as in our students. So let's dive in. All right. So number one, we're going to talk about pricing and where to put it or not put it. If you were going with the model that Evie just said of like scaling pricing of like you kind of put forth your pricing based on their budget, with that, you would not put pricing on your website because obviously you would adjust it to the client. Mm -hmm. Since we are not in that camp, we are firmly in camp, have just pricing that you have and put it on your dang website. At Um, least your starting prices. Yes. Now, the way or the reason that we are firm in that is one, it decreases a lot of your inquiries that are low qualified, like low qualifying leads in the sense of like people don't, if they don't know your pricing, they're going to reach out and you're probably going to waste both of your times because Mm -hmm. you're probably out of their price range. So that's obviously one reason of why you would put forth your pricing, which by doing that, you might get less inquiries. Like you you might do that, but just because like people could see your pricing and be like, oh, she's at my budget. Um, Now there is a conversation of, of where in the sales process you could then convince them Mm -hmm. that, because I think some people might, especially like, say you're hiring a web a web designer and in your mind you have a certain budget but then once you get on the call with them based on what they're saying they could sway you in a in the perspective of being like oh this is actually more valuable than i maybe originally gave it credit for i could put forth more money or like a wedding photographer could do the same thing they could get a client on the on the phone and be like oh you know they could 
realize, oh, maybe we have this much allotted for our whole wedding. Maybe we could allot more towards photography now that this photographer has sold me on the, you know, the, the, the value. value that like, Hey, the photography is the only thing that lasts beyond the wedding day other than your dress. Yeah. Thank you. And good night. Like, <laughs> so there is elements that I could see almost being an argument to why you maybe wouldn't put your pricing on your website and you would wait till the sales call to Share sell it. them. Yeah. But I still stand in camp, put your pricing on your website and do a lot of that forthright selling on your website. Yeah. Um, that's my opinion. Evie, yeah. I know you have thoughts. Oh, I have so many thoughts. I'm I'm 100% on the same page for a variety of reasons. Like Lindsay said, it, it saves your time. It saves their time. When it comes to any sort of big project that somebody is doing where they are trying to hire a service provider, whether it's like home construction and trying to find a contractor or you know, which I know that's a, almost a whole different field. And it's like, it completely depends on, you know, the size of the project. Like, are they renovating a closet or are they renovating an entire house from top to bottom? Right. Um, so things like that can be very difficult to put prices on. But whether it's like a, a hiring a web designer, hiring a business coach, hiring a photographer, you know, for a wedding, hiring, like whatever it is, if you are a service provider, most likely you are charging a price point where that's higher. It, it's, it costs something to the client, whether it's family photos and you charge $300 or a luxury wedding photographer and you charge 13,000. Like it is whatever that price point looks like, it costs them something. And there is a lot of decision-making, a lot of budgeting that's occurring in this current season, this current project. And there's just a lot of unknowns. Mm -hmm. And what our goal is, what Lindsay and I firmly believe is that our goal as the service provider we are not the hero of the story. We are the guide. If you know the, the story brand, like marketing strategies, we are the guide who is trying to help our clients get to their end results as easily, as conveniently, as stress-free as like, as possible. Yeah. And I personally believe that not putting our pricing on our website creates a stress point for our ideal clients. It creates uncertainty, unknowns. Yes, it creates friction for them in their experience that can be really frustrating. So even though you might be thinking, oh, but if I don't put my prices, I'll get more inquiries from people who, you know, want to know. It's like, yes, you might get more inquiries. And yes, some of those people might be convinced to book with you once they get to know you and like have this great experience post-inquiry. But the reality is you're also going to get a lot of people who inquire for your pricing and then totally ghost because that's all they wanted to know. They wanted to mm -hmm. know if it was even feasible, if it was even reasonable. And you're going to turn away a lot of people who probably were in your price range or, you know, you the budgets would have aligned and worked out because they have no idea where you stand. And that's yeah. where like my personal opinion comes in as a client who has, you know, hired so many different service providers for so many different projects, industries, things. If I go, <laughs> if I go to a service provider's website and I don't see their pricing, at least starting pricing anywhere on their website, I click out of their website so fast. I will not yeah. even read the rest of their website. I will not even look at the rest of the information. The only exception for me in that is if I know the person personally or, and like, I would love to work with them because they're like, a dear no matter what the budget is. Yeah. I, or at least like it's worth 
the unknown and the potential that it won't work out to at least like inquire and get their pricing. Or if they were recommended by like a really close friend that I know and trust, that's like, oh, I worked with this person. Here's a gauge of where my budget was at or like something like that. Then maybe I'll take the time to acquire. Beyond that, like I can't tell you the hundreds of websites that I have clicked off of and the number of, you know, service providers that I have not even given a second glance to because I don't have the time to inquire with 20 different people to waste your time. If yeah. you're at the $200 price point or the $20,000 price point, you know what I mean? Like you have no gauge of where this is at. And I am not personally as a client going to waste my time and try to get stuck. Cause that's the other thing. If you are not putting your prices on your website, most likely your prices are going to occur on the sales call. And I don't have time to hop on 20 different sales calls. And most yeah. of most our people clients, don't. Yeah, most of our clients are in that position. Like most clients do not have the time to inquire with all these different people and to try to then get sold. Cause then it can feel like so frustrating if you're talking with like, let's say you're a, a I don't know, a, a wedding photographer and you have couples inquiring with you for their weddings and they're trying, you know, they're reaching out to four or five, six, mm-hmm. I think the average is like five or six photographers that most wedding couples will reach out to. They're going to get stuck with like replies from four yeah. Three of those photographers who are like, oh, I'm so excited. Here's a call. Whereas if you're the photographer who reaches out and is like, giving as much info, which this is what we'll get to next, as so much info you have, your starting prices on your website. So they inquire, they already know where you stand pricing wise. And they're like, I think this could work budget wise. So there's a high that you're already top of their list because they already have some clarity and mm-hmm. less friction with you. And then your email come through and gives them all sorts of other information, a full investment guide. And then you're like, and now if all of that sounds good, now let's hop on the call. And they're yeah. already feeling all this peace, all this personal connection with you, all this confidence and the excitement of working with you. Those are going to sell. Those yeah. are going to be the clients that close, not the ones <laughs> with the other photographers where they're getting no info. At least that's our opinion. We're very yeah. strongly opinionated on this in case you can't tell. <laughs> very opinionated. I think my inquiry response email for my wedding clients even literally says something like, I know that you're planning your wedding right now and your time is hella valuable. So like my goal, even though this email is kind of long, I want to give you every ounce of information that you could possibly have to say, hell yes, she's the girl for me or no, she's not. And that's okay. Um, Which Which that kind of leads perfectly into the first response email, email, which is number two, this like strategy number two. (laughs) Well, because just like Evie said, when you... No matter what you do, I want you to look at your industry right now, what you do, what your service is and think of your ideal client what season of life are they in right now? Because it's like for wedding photographers, your clients are wedding couples. They are busy as crap. They're probably working full-time jobs. They're planning a wedding. They just got thrust into the position. The second that ring hit their finger, they just got thrust into the position of wedding planner for an yeah. event that they've never done. So like they, they don't know what they're doing. If you can show up, give them information quickly, fastly, and you connect with them and you're awesome and you are ethical and you respond fast yeah. and you don't like bait them and ghost them and say, Hey, hop on a call. Like you're wasting their freaking time. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. Amen. But, okay. I mean, literally amen. So, okay. So let's talk about the email. Sorry. So I just had to go on a rant. Yeah. <laughs> we, I feel like we both we were like, this is going to be a very like, you know, fast and very straight to the point episode. And we're both like, this is not right. Like, we're like going off. Well, we can, we can try to hone it in and get to the point. Cause we you will, guys, you don't want us to just give you fluff. We'll, so yeah, we'll reel ourselves in. So okay. the first The first response email, like Lindsay's saying, you want to reply very quickly because typically, I think, I forget what study was done, but there was a study that's done that 
couples book with, especially for photographers, but this is the case for anyone else. I said couples, but your clients are going to book with the first service provider that checks their boxes that they connect with first. Yep. So it's like, if you are taking three days to respond to an inquiry, they've probably already gotten an inquiry from at least one or two other people that they reached out to. And they're they're Those people are now top of the list. Yeah. Um, so respond quickly. And in that first email, you want to put who you are, the experience that you provide, what makes you different, what they can expect with working with you. Respond to them personally on like what they said in their inquiry. Make it very customized. Do not make this feel like it's actually like, a, you know, a template. We, mm-hmm. Lindsay and I both use templates for our initial response email, um, but it is so detailed and personalized to us, our brand, our business, and each client and each customer that comes through. There's entire custom sections for them, answering their questions, talking about their love story that they shared with us. Make it as detailed as possible. And we have a, a podcast episode, uh, actually somewhat recent, episode 330, talks about the initial response email and it goes into a lot more detail on that. So if you really want to up-level your first initial response email, go listen to episode 330. Um, And I would say the first email should include a pricing guide, which we have an episode deep diving on that and what all should be included in your pricing guide. And that is episode 289 um, Mm -hmm. because we could go ham, but we already have gone ham for you in just another episode. So when we say like, hey, put your starting prices on your website starting prices are great. And so then when they inquire, you're giving them like the meat and potatoes. Like this is like the the basis. And obviously those two episodes will tell you like really where to go deep into both of those. Um, The one thing I will say, because a part of this conversation is like Evie said, the people that respond fastest and connect with, you know, the client the quickest are the ones that typically get the sale. And if you're sitting here as a business owner, like, okay, I I would love to do that, but I also want to implement boundaries and have a life and like not be glued to my phone at dinner time when an inquiry comes in. And then I feel that guilt of like, oh, I I have to respond immediately. Sorry, kids. Sorry, husband. Like, (laughs) gotta go. Um, Or you're on a walk with your family on a Saturday and an email comes in and you feel that like guilt of like, oh my gosh, I have to respond to it immediately. Like hands Mm -hmm. raised. Who all feels that? I know. We all have our hand raised. Um, What I would recommend in that, and you don't have to do this. If you are in a season of hustle, and maybe you're single and you can respond to an email on a Saturday or you're married and whatever and you still you're want trying to. trying to build a business and you need, right. yeah, there, you need there to get the momentum. Is, I would say when we first started our business, like I would respond to an email within an hour, no matter what day it came in. Yeah. And that was just the season of life I was in. So take this, you know, with a grain of salt. But if you are in a season where you are willing to maybe lose an inquiry, but maintain a little bit more sanity and, and boundaries yeah. in your business, what I would recommend, which I think this tip helps no matter what camp you're in, have an autoresponder uh, be automatically sent the second that somebody inquires. So whether that they inquire on a Monday morning and you'll still get back to them within two hours or they inquire on a Friday night and you won't get back to them till Monday morning. Have mm-hmm. an autoresponder go out that basically is a glorified thank you page. It's basically like, hey, thank you so much for inquiring. And, mm-hmm. and what you include in this email, maybe we should do a podcast episode all only on this email. I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> have like a thank you page that goes out or a thank you email that goes out and says, Hey, thank you so much for inquiring. Here's exactly when you can expect me to respond. Here's my business hours. If if that again is applicable to what season of business you're in, these are my business hours. I will get back to you within two hours of those business hours, whenever I'm in office or something like that. Or you could just say the generic, like 24 to 48 hours, um, which kind of covers the weekends usually. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you could say that. And then what I would do in that email is I would give them something to chew on in the meantime, whether that is a freebie. Um, Mm -hmm. So for like wedding photographers, you could put, hey, here is a timeline freebie. Or like, I know you're in the midst of wedding planning while you're waiting for me to respond. Like here's something that like could benefit you that I hope really blesses you. So it could be a freebie like that, or it could be a past blog post that maybe does the same thing, like a past Mm -hmm. blog post wow, can't talk, past blog post on timelines or on, you know, wedding dress trends or maybe that's stupid. I don't know. Whatever it would be that your client would obviously like be blessed by. Or maybe you're a graphic designer and, you know, you do the same thing for clients and it's like, hey, here is a freebie on uh, what like color theory means and what best colors to, you know, have in your brand or something like that, that Mm -hmm. while they're waiting on you to respond, you've still served them and given them something that probably the other people that they're inquiring with haven't unless everyone's listening to this episode um, and then we're benefiting the industry. But anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think something with that is Lindsay mentioned like a thank you page. At the very least, even if you don't have an autoresponder, let's say you are trying to reply quickly, make sure you do have a thank you page that redirects. So when they submit an inquiry, they get redirected or like the page reloads or that, you know, block or whatever reloads to that um, um, minimal version. What am I trying to say? A trimmed down version of what Lindsay just said. Or you could do both. I mean, yeah, you could absolutely do both. And something else that you can put either on the thank you page or on like this autoresponder email, like initial response email is if you want to take it to the next level, like a brand video of you sitting down, like talking to camera or like showcasing you like, you know, sitting a mixture of like sitting down out in the field shooting or whatever that's sharing like it here's the heart behind my me my business my brand or whatever so that I they would strategically can, make that video short though yes again don't waste their time don't make it like you know 10 minutes long but also I right. would say you know if you want them to get to know you a little bit in the meantime while you're responding back and giving yeah. time like that's a great place to put something like that so I would almost also I need to do this for my website I haven't done this for my website and it's been on my list forever uh <laughs> put a video just like Evie said put a video on your booking or contact page yes. of your website so that like they're looking and reading that before they even inquire. Yep. Like, oh, and I would almost, here's an extra up level, do a video before they inquire mm-hmm. and then do a different one once they inquire and have like different information because those are two, two different stages. Yep. Before you're talking to somebody who's thinking about inquiring. Yep. Once they inquire, you're hitting a different pain point now because you're like, hey, you're waiting on me to respond, but yeah. here's some juice. Here's the goodness that you it's can expect good. once I do respond. And that both of the the purpose behind something like video, especially if you are in a service industry or a service provider who is going to work a little more like personally with your cup, like your clients. Why do I keep saying couples? Drilled into me 10 years in. Um, working with, with your clients, like, you know, you are a graphic designer who works more personally with creating their dream, you know, website or whatever. Or you're a photographer who works with them on their wedding day or your wedding planner who plans, whatever it is, that those videos allow the personal connection that you are wanting to get that does differentiate you from the rest of the crowd. It allows that like human interaction, the ability for them to connect with you on a human to human basis. So that was a random tip that we actually didn't even have on our No, it just came out of our brains. (laughs) We are both big fans of those. Ironically, we both have had that on our list for a very long time. So don't be surprised. Do as we say, not as we do. All right, we're moving on to sales principle or strategy or the area where we can implement some new sales strategies. Number three, which is Mm. the consult call. Right, so now we've, they've responded to your inquiry, right? Mm -hmm. They've said, yes, I will hop on a call with you. What do you do now? What do you do? Okay. What do you do? (laughs) Okay, we're going to start. Let's say you get them on the call 
And which by the way, you should be asking for them or, or subtly suggesting that they, that is the next step. Not even subtly suggesting, explaining clearly in your initial response email, backing up a second, that that is the next step. Be mm-hmm. like, all right, read through. Like in my initial response email, I say, all right, here is my investment guide. Here's what this looks like. I give a lot of info on that. And then I say, next steps after you've read through that is to hop on a free, you know, 30 minute consult call with me, which always goes to an hour. I block out time for that. But <laughs> um, here's the next step. Here's what we do next. Here's what that looks like. And here's the link to schedule it. Yep. And then once you get them on the call, I, what I encourage and what I do with my couples is the, you want to start with them and their story. Do not just immediately start diving into like pitching them on you and your services, how great right. you are. Or even it makes people feel like invalued, like you don't care about yeah. what their vision is, whether it's like your website or, you know, if you're inquiring with a copywriter and they're, they just go into their rant versus hearing like what your business is about. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a couple getting married, it's yeah. like, they're just rambling. And it's like, well, I want the service provider to care about me. And yeah. And, and for you to understand, it's like incredible for you to understand, you know, what service you're trying to provide, where they're coming from, you know, what they're expecting, what they're hoping for, like what, whatever that looks like. You want to get to know them. That also allows you to, to create a personal connection for them to, you know, see how you react and for you guys to kind of chat and get to know each other, all of that. So Lindsay and I are firm believers in start with them, with their story, with their vision, with, you know, if it's a wedding couple, like how did they meet? You know, who made the first move? What was the proposal? situation like? What's their vision for their wedding day? Like all of that info. But the thing I will say with this is I start my calls by setting the direction and kind of explaining why, like what this call will typically look like and why I start with that. So I will verbally communicate to them like, Hey, all right, I'd love to start this call. Spend the first like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of this call, getting to know you guys and your story and, you know, your vision for your day, because that allows me to fully understand who you two are, mm-hmm. allow you to get to know me as well. And for me to understand how I can best serve you. And if I am the best person to serve you based on your, you know, your dynamics, your vision, your mm-hmm. desires, your goals. And then Which we can... does not, does not give clingy boyfriend energy. Exactly. It and... gives like a loop, like you, I could take you or leave you energy, which yes. is better. Yes. Well, we want to be like, obviously kind. Excited. Yes. But not, don't, don't, yeah. We'll, don't we'll give off the it. energy. Don't give off the energy of like, I, I need you to desperately book yeah. me or I can't pay yeah. my bills, which maybe be the case, but you have to give off that energy of cool, calm, collected. Yeah, exactly. So I will explain like, all right, here's where we're going to spend the first 10 or 15 minutes of call. And then I'm going to open the floor to you guys. I am just as much of an open book as you just opened up to me. So ask me anything. It can be about my business, behind my heart behind what I do, you know, my experience level. Um, it can be personal. If you want to hear about my love story, I would love to share that with you. You know, like I open up the floor to them to get to know me just as much as they just opened up their hearts and, and stories mm-hmm. to me. And then I'll kind of transition us into, you know, I'll be verbalizing. I'll transition us into the logistical, like any questions that you have for my investment guide, you know, knowing you guys in your wedding day now, like what's your vision for hours of coverage or location or dates or questions, things that you have. We'll dive into that at the last part of the call. So I set that expectation up front so that they're not confused when they get on the call. They're probably wanting like answers and they have some questions and they're kind of like, okay, we'll feel this girl out, see what she's like. Like the table of contents. Exactly. I don't want to just start suddenly being like, so tell me about you two. And they're like, I had a question. Because that's something too, is I will tell them 
it depends on the call. If we immediately start like just connecting and it's like, we will not, cannot shut up all three of us or, you know, whatever, or just like chattering away. I won't necessarily say this, but if I can tell they're a little nervous or something or whatnot, I'll say everything I just said, but then I'll also be like, but if you guys have like a couple of burning questions, I know your time mm-hmm. is so valuable. If you have a couple of really urgent, really burning questions that you just want to get out of the way to even be able to relax and, and, enjoy the rest of this call. Or if you're like, Hey, I have this big question to even know if the rest of this call is necessary for us to have or worthwhile for our time. You can ask those right away. If you have any of those, like I will open up that door as well. And most of the time they're like, no, let's start with like what you said. We'd love to get to know each other. And like, you know, all that, but it's putting their needs before your own. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that no matter what, by, you know, sharing those table of contents, you are, communicating and setting expectations that puts them at ease and also lets them know like, oh, wow, she just like eased all my concerns and gave every single thing that I would, you know, want to think about before even continuing on. So I think that's a really great formula to to follow. All right, entrepreneurs, let's face it. You're in a pickle. You're not attracting your ideal clients because your brand visuals are just meh at best. And you're not showing up as the professional ready to make their life 500 times better. Do you honestly feel like your website just sucks? Like your branding feels like you created it in Microsoft's Paint? Anyone else remember Microsoft's Paint? Is that just me? <laughs> okay. And your, your client experience just overall feels like it's seriously lacking. And you just need a change right now. But let's be honest, you're not ready to drop 8K on a custom web and brand design. Well, don't worry. That's where we come in. Introducing the solution to all of your website struggles, the Heart Shop website templates. Now, we spent hours designing these customizable, professional, and conversion-intense website templates with our incredible designer, Sarah Crook of Elizabeth Designs. They are so incredibly easy to use and customize with ShowIt's user-friendly interface. Yes, by the way, you can easily learn how to work with ShowIt, even if you've never touched a website or any design platform before. And you can change literally anything you want. No more being limited to squares on your website. It's a drag and drop system that is freaking easy and looks incredible. Oh, oh, you want more information? Cool, I got you. The templates come already SEO optimized with copy prompts from Lindsay and I included. Yeah, you don't just get nonsensical filler text. You get bomb education and prompts from Lindsay and I to help you wow your potential clients and crush your website copy. And we designed a variety of these in different styles so you can find the closest match and then tweak it to make it fully your own. If you're ready to save thousands of dollars and hours upon hours upon hours of your time and get clients flooding through your website, you need to check these out. So grab yours at theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. If you're enjoying what you're getting in this podcast for free, then you're about to get your mind blown with what we offer in our educational courses. If you're ready to uplevel your business, serve your clients like never before and reach revenue goals that you barely dared to dream of, then we're ready to help. Our courses are packed full of tools, formulas, strategies, and resources to help you kick freaking butt in biz. Whether you choose the photo major, a complete course for photographers, or the content photo minor, a mini course on how to finally slay your content photos for your blog, Insta, headshots, whatever, you will walk away with more knowledge than you ever thought possible. And here's the reality. We are here to see you succeed always and forever. And that is why we created each and every one of these courses. To check them out for yourself, read the reviews and look at each course syllabus, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash courses. 
That's theheartuniversity.com forward slash courses. The thing I would say is towards the end, something that I, I try to avoid is talking about direct finances on the specific call unless they specifically ask. Yeah. Like if they ask specifically, like how much is this package? Then yes, I'll share them. Or like or how like much a, is this add-on? Right. I won't like avoid it and be like, oh, that was in your pricing. Like I won't be weird about it. I'll like, be like boldly I can email say you it. after and tell you like, no, just give them the yeah. answer. Give them the answer and be bold and confident in it and don't be weird about it. Mm-hmm. But it, if they don't ask, I wouldn't like bring it up awkwardly. Like, so, okay, the package that you're looking at is $6,000. How do you <laughs> feel about like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, so I wouldn't bring up finances unless they ask. Because people what can I always, get uncomfortable with it on face-to-face. Yes. It can feel a little sticky and uncomfortable. And that way you're keeping the connection and the relationship forefront and everything that Evie just said. Um, What I will do though is after a call, like I will send an immediate follow-up email kind of giving spark notes of everything that we talked about. Um, So that way like they they don't have to like remember it all. And it's like, wow, they you just gave an excellent experience of like bullet pointing kind of the spark notes of our call, answering any questions that they said that they wanted, I will do that. Or if they wanted like, hey, I would really love a florist recommendation if this is a wedding you mm-hmm. know, couple or whatever, I'll, I'll give that in that email. Um, or if they wanted a full gallery, um, or if I said like, hey, I'll, I'll send you a couple full galleries just so you can browse, I'll do that in that email. And then in that email, that's where I'll say like, if they wanted on the call, they said, oh, I would, well, I wanted this specific package. I will basically break it down in the email. Mm-hmm. And, and that way you're keeping the financial aspects to the written email. And it's a little bit separate from the relationship part. Unless again, they ask. Yeah. Something to say to you as the last point on the consult call is ask at the end of the call, basically for the sale, but do it in such a way that is not pushy. It's not desperate. It is not like demanding that they make a decision in that moment. But don't be afraid to say something like, all right, you know, after everyone's like, been like, do you have any more questions? They're like, no, we're feeling good. We're excited. Like, I'm so excited. So can I ask you one final question? Where are you guys at in this process? Or like, you know, you don't have to phrase it that way. You could just say, essentially, like, are you guys feeling like you're ready to book and ready to make a decision? Would you like for me to go ahead and send over a proposal with everything we talked about? Or are you feeling like you need a little bit more time? You know, I'll kind of feel it out, but do not be afraid to verbally ask them essentially to define, are you ready or are you not? And don't necessarily say like, are you ready to decide on me right this minute? Like, I will send you the proposal now. Does that sound good? Like, don't, don't push at all. But don't also be afraid to like, I, I, how do I phrase this? Don't be so afraid to be pushy that you don't ever even ask and serve right. them in that way too. Because yeah. there's a strong possibility, the number of calls that I've had where I've chatted with someone and I'm like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're ready to book yet. So I'm not going to ask them for the, the call mm-hmm. or the sale. But then I will. And I'll say like, are you guys feeling like, do you, you, know, do you need more time to consider it? Can I send you anything else? Or are you like kind of getting ready to book and nail this down and I can send you the proposal? And they'll be like, oh yeah, we're ready for the proposal. Um, and I'll be like, oh, I did not see that. Like, Right. You, you, you have no idea because you're, you're making an assumption in your mm-hmm. head based on like context clues, but yes. we can always read them wrong. And the other thing with that too, is you can also either put it in the recap email if you don't feel comfortable verbally saying it, but I will tell my couples often verbally as well as in the recap, be like, you know, where are you guys feeling like you're at? Blah, blah. And they'll be like, oh, we're, you know, we have one mother, whoa, one more photographer to talk to. And, you know, 
we need to chat. We need to finalize this date before we're ready to book. I'll be like, absolutely. I'm so excited. Just a reminder. Um, I do operate on like a first come first serve basis. What that means basically is I cannot hold a date for you unless I have a signed contract and a retainer paid. And I don't say that to be pushy. Like I will verbally tell them. I don't Uh say that to be pushy at all. I just want to make sure you guys are aware that just because we've had this call and we've been in communication does not mean that your date is currently being held. Which Um, is being forthright with communication because they could be under the assumption that you're holding it because you had this call. Exactly. Because some some service providers do operate that way. It's like, you know, they hold, once an inquiry is given, they hold a date for a certain amount of time, like one week or two weeks or something. I don't currently operate that way. It's first come, first serve. So I will verbally tell them. And then in the recap email, if they haven't asked for a proposal, I will send that as well. And if they have asked for proposal proposal I will just remind them say like hey this is not official until the retainer has been paid and the contract signed otherwise your date is still being like held open so yeah. those are just like make the call about them kind of recapping make the call about them kind of give them a table of contents of what the call's looking like so they're not confused when you dive into them <laughs> at the beginning and then use language like be straight up confident in who you are and what you offer ask for the sale ask if they're ready for it communicate you know what what your situation is on holding dates without being desperate pushy clingy or too shy and afraid to ask and then yeah. you know you lose a sale from that okay so that is the consult call so now we kind of tip, dipped our toe a little bit in what those follow up emails look like um but number 4 is send one to two follow ups after a reasonable amount of time after the consult call. So like I yeah. said earlier, have an, an email that you write up immediately after the call. Yeah. And obviously you could have a template for this and just plug in the information that you talked about in the consult call, but have that go out immediately. And mm-hmm. then, it, you know, depending on what where they were at, if they were ready to book, then obviously you would send that follow-up email with the proposal. Yeah. But if they weren't ready to have a proposal, then obviously you're not sending a proposal. Regardless, well, I guess it depends on... So say you didn't send a proposal, but you just sent a follow-up email and they weren't ready. I would wait at least like three to five days. It depends. I would maybe wait longer a little bit if they did say, hey, I have a couple other um, Mm -hmm. calls this like upcoming week. Then I would like, okay, mental note, like I'm not going to send a follow-up in two days because they probably haven't talked to the other people yet. So just like, you know, you might have to adjust your workflow a little bit based on how that call went. But Mm -hmm. um I would usually follow up like around like three to five days, depending again on where they were, um, with an email that's very gentle and kind, not pushy. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing that you want to do, especially if they are not sold on you yet or they weren't ready for the proposal to be sent, is to push and almost to like make them feel slimy and make Mm -hmm. them feel like you're just trying to get the sale and not Mm -hmm. actually caring about them. That's like the number one thing that you want to avoid. I mean, Mm -hmm. would you have anything to add about like, like how to not be pushy in the in the phrasing of that i think it's just communicating your desire to serve like that's mm-hmm. in my opinion with follow ups even if this, this so these follow ups can also be let's say somebody inquires you sent them your first response email and you haven't gotten them on a consult call too. Like the the emails look different for sure, but the same like sales strategy principle applies of, you know, follow up whether you got them on a consult call or not and be like, hey, I just wanted to check in. I know how busy, you know, planning this project, aka planning this wedding or, you know, whatever. Or like, I know you mentioned on our consult call that you guys are working full-time jobs and just trying to plan, you know, on the weekends. I just wanted to see if there's anything else that I can help with or any other questions that, you know, were brought up as you guys have been discussing. Um, 
that I can eliminate stress from you and I can serve you to the best of my abilities. Let me know if you need X, Y, or Z. And you can even say like vendor recommendations or other photographers, if you're feeling like I will straight up sometimes if somebody's like, oh, I just not sure about budget or, you know, something I will straight up in a follow-up if they haven't gotten back to me, say, you know, let me know if you need other photographers who are a little bit newer, who are going to be a little bit lower in budget or something like that. Because that gives off that gives off the opposite of clingy boyfriend energy. We love we love it, that. It just depends. I don't want to say that I say that do that in like every email by right. any means. Take it, take it with a grain of salt and use discernment. But yeah. what that does is it subliminally tell what well, I said that word wrong, but whatever. Subliminally uh, tells them <laughs> <laughs> tells them that you don't need them. And, well, so, and there's a psychological thing that kind of makes people want you more when you do that. Yes. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's I should true. say like, you don't, you don't want them or need them, but it's just, it's subtle. It's very subtle. It's basically, my desire for it is to serve them first and foremost. 100%. We love that. For but then the whole, secondary, yes. yes, being aware of sales psychology and how it works. If you're sitting there being like, please, 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 I can lower my budget for you. Please, please, please. Like, it, it's it's undesirable to us as human beings psychologically. I just I want to. We already named this episode, but I want to rename this episode like "Avoid Clingy Boyfriend Energy." <laughs> <laughs> well, or pushy boyfriend energy, like demanding. Yes. So, Ooh, we don't like either of those because I have a story there. Anyways, yeah, just basically the follow up emails should be basically yes, subtly being like, if you need anything else from me, you know. If you haven't already communicated that you don't hold dates, like, you know, you can communicate that in one of those follow-up emails. Again, mm -hmm. I wouldn't communicate that like every email or every follow-up because then that right. can feel pushy or like manipulative. But if it hasn't been communicated, don't be afraid to put that in there. And then just basically phrase it as like, how can I serve you? Yeah. Um, Wait, with the, before you share your story, the one yeah. thing I will say, because I, I said earlier, I was giving an example if they weren't ready to book and you hadn't sent the proposal yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say you got off the consult call and they were ready mm -hmm. to, for you to send the proposal. Something that you can do specifically in HoneyBook, I think you can probably do this in other CRMs too, but I know HoneyBook, you can do it just because I use it. Mm -hmm. um, you can set an expiration date with a proposal and contract that you send. Yep. Because I, I know a lot of people that get in the, the struggle bus of like a client said, yes, I want to book you. And then you send a proposal and then it just sits there yeah. for weeks on end and you're like, uh, what? Um, so what you can do is communicate in that follow-up email. And obviously you can communicate this verbally too on the call, but especially in that con, uh, in the, the follow-up email that sends the proposal state, Hey, I am soft holding your date for, for three days. You have basically a, a three day expiration date. You don't have to say it, expiration date, but just communicate that like, Hey, this proposal, I will soft hold your date for three days. If, and until, I don't know how to phrase it. Basically, you're saying that the proposal will expire and I will no longer be holding this date after your day date will be released. Yes. Back so that way it gives the contract an expiration date and at the three days, if they have not yet booked you, it it goes away. Like in the end, your date goes back open. Um, obviously, they could like come back a week later and be like, oh, we're ready to book now. And if it's still available, then great. Okay, do it again. Yeah. But and you can that expiration that. You date, can say like a soft hold means that if other inquiries come in for that date, you will be notified you know, but it is still not being firmly held yeah. um, without a retainer or a contract. And, you know, if after the expiration, the date is fully released back, but if you come back later and, you know, are interested, like I can check the date and see if it's still possible to work together. Like you can communicate that sort of thing and not be like, oh, three days and you're out. Right. Um, which is not what you were saying, Lindsay, but no, but yeah. that was good to, to preface like exactly what you're communicating. Because yeah. I feel like that people get in a sticky situation of like, oh, but they're just have my 
proposal forever. And it's like, well, girl, boy, expiration date that mm-hmm. ish. Yeah. Um, okay. So personal story. When it Let's comes end to- on this. Yes, with, Evie. With client consult and with follow-ups. So I am going to try to keep this as vague as possible because I do not want to uh, rake anyone over the coals or or call anyone out in any means. That is not my heart here whatsoever. It is more to utilize this, share it from a client's perspective and like an experience that I had, as well as to allow us all to learn yeah. <laughs> from that experience. So at some point in my career, I reached out to a couple different service providers for something in my entrepreneurial business. And I, this was a situation also where I could not find starting prices on anybody's website and absolutely drove me crazy. And the only reason I reached out to this person was because I had had a friend recommend them or refer them um, and had worked with them. So I send an inquiry, I get a response back saying, you know, here's well, well, the next step. Like you, in order to send an inquiry, you had to schedule a consult call. And that was where you would oh, get interesting. where you would get the e- like info. It was like you would send the inquiry, and in the inquiry like submission process, you had to schedule a calendly call. And so I, you know, scheduled a calendly call, and I get like some automated emails, which is totally fine. It was being like, I got your inquiry. I'm so excited for our call, um, and then a couple reminders from Calendly of the call coming up, and that was all great. Oh, it was there never a custom response? No. Interesting. No custom response. Well, because like what, what I said earlier of like send an auto response, but I, that's assuming that you're also sending a custom yeah. response. Yeah, and when I say custom, it, you can still use a template, just tweak it. But just it seems like it's like a personalized response to that specific inquiry. Like, no, there, yeah. was, there was none of that. It was just like, I'm excited because there was no info. There was no investment guide. There was no info. There was no detailed like email. It was just, okay, you've inquired. The next step is the consult call. But um, but I, in my opinion, I'm like critiquing this as you're sharing it. I'm like, <laughs> I would want before the consult call, a custom email sent with a pricing guide. So I'm ready for the call. Oh, exactly. But yeah, I still had no like, That's idea. The point. <laughs> that's the point. I had no idea where on the price point, like I, nothing, which was, yeah. Anyways, it was interesting. So on the Calendly, like when I'd scheduled it, I, it came with like a Zoom link, of course, because that's pretty typical with like a Calendly is, is the details of where you're meeting. So it came with a Zoom link. So I put on makeup that day. <laughs> I was so put out. I'm just kidding. But I put on makeup that day and I was like sitting at my computer on the Zoom link and it was like waiting for host, waiting for host, waiting for host. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And like a minute or two in, I get a call on my phone. And I was like, what? And I like answered it, you know, thinking... Maybe it's this person. It was. Um, and there was no verbal anything about why it wasn't on Zoom. It That person just started talking and was like, okay, tell me you know, a little bit about what you need, your, your project. And this was, I can't blame, I, this is like probably a rare exception. So I don't want to be like, oh, this happened all the time with this person. I have no idea. But there was extremely bad service on this call and we kept cutting out I couldn't hear them for a good bit. They, I would answer a question and then they would say, are you there? You know, it was really frustrating. So we only talked on the phone for about 10 minutes and it was like bare, like we barely talked about this project at all. I heard nothing from this other person about their experience, their price points, like nothing. And so I was, you know, with because of the the connection cutting out, they were like, okay, I'll, I'll send you a follow-up email. I'll give you, I'm so sorry. This is, you know, 
blah, blah, blah. I'll send you a follow-up email with a ton of information. And I was like, great. Okay. Now here's where I'll be getting, you know, some info, their thoughts on the project, a, a quote, all of this. Um, I think I waited like three or four days before getting a follow-up email. And then it was just a proposal. It was just pitching me with, here are your two options. Wait, still no pricing guide? Nothing? No, no nothing. What? It was just, and this person too, let me clarify. This person was very, very high up, well-known, experienced in their niche in the industry. So that's what, it was so shocking. It wasn't like well, it was a beginner. There's an element that I wonder if, when people become really popular and they don't necessarily need to hustle as hard as far as client experience because like they're getting a multiple of uh, inquiries. inquiries. Yeah. I, I wonder if that makes people go a little slack. Well, I understand if I understand like there was in no way, well, but actually I'll get to this. I was going to say in no way was there a clingy aspect. There actually became a demanding aspect, which I'll get to in a second. I understand if you, you know, are, you take some time to respond to an email, you know, you schedule, you have consult calls that are pre-programmed into Calendly. So you're not bending over backwards to schedule one immediately. Like I understand elements of like that, but if you're charging, like if you're well-known, you're high up expertise experience and you're charging a premium, your experience should be premium. Yeah. No. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah, you can't, you can't just ignore the client experience just because you're charging like 15 K or, or, you know, yeah. whatever top dollar it is. Yeah. And because you're in demand, like you can't just like, People, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. Okay, finish your story. Anyway, so I get this. It's basically just a proposal. Here are your two options to choose from. And here are the start dates. Here's the contract. Here's where you sign. And I was like, okay. And I didn't, like, what? I didn't respond partially because I was so shocked and I didn't know what to say, but also because I had reached out to a few other people and I was still having consult calls with them and talking with other people. Um, and then a few days after that, I get an email like I think was it was automated automated email saying reminder your contract is waiting for you to sign and I was like okay I I'm bet, so I not bet they, respond. they have a workflow though like whether they used Honeybugger or whatever it was they probably had a workflow attached to hey send a follow-up at like two days after you always send a Pro proposal probably which was fine if I had asked for a proposal <laughs> yeah and then and then a few days after that I get an email from the the person the, the brand whatever um being like Hey, I just wanted to check in. Did you have questions? Reminder, you know, it was much more personalized of like, reminder, you know, we're only holding like this date is about to fill, you know, for this project. Can you blah, blah, blah. And I was just still so like, do they really think I'm ready to book? Like, I know nothing. Like, I have no idea. I got to ask this person no questions about their expertise. I didn't get to explain. To, like, there were no questions about the details of my project as far as what I was going for, what my goals were, where I was currently at in my business, nothing. It was just, what are you looking for? And I was like, oh, I want X product or, you know, end result. And they would be like, okay, great. Yeah, that's in our specialty. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I know nothing. And the whole experience was just very like the fact that I got like multiple follow-up emails from that contract after a 10 minute, the fastest and most like haphazard consult call of my life. I, it felt so pushy and demanding to me. Like you must fill it out. You're going to expire. This ends tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And I walked away with such a bad taste in my mouth. I ended up actually sending them an email 
and sharing what that experience was like very kindly. I ran it by like three different people because I didn't want to come across as like a problem client by any means. But I basically was just so kindly and gently as best as I could communicated how that had felt to me from the like the experience of being like, hey, I did not feel held. I did not feel like any of my questions were answered. I actually feel like I walked away more confused from this experience than I did when I even like inquired. And they were, they were very understanding. They were like, thank you so much for the feedback. We're so sorry you felt that way. But it walked away for me. I was like, I am going to go with a fine tooth comb for my client experience and see if there's anything that I am doing that is creating that feeling of confusion and overwhelm and pushiness for my clients because that is the last thing I want to do. So just from like an experience of somebody, and obviously I know not everyone's going to have like, you know, sketchy service and they're only going to hop on like a 10 minute call or, you know, whatnot, but just an encouragement that like, if that person had hopped on that call with me, if I had gotten a custom email, if their starting prices had been on their website, if I had gotten an investment guide, if we had hopped on a consult on Zoom like we planned, um, or even communicated that it was via phone, so I could have expected that, and had like a 30 you know minute call as was budgeted for, and really gotten to know me, my project, my vision, and explained who they were and their expectations, their heart behind their business, their project, their vision, and then asked me you know where I was at, not been pushy, there is a strong possibility I would have gone with that person because they had everything I was looking for as far as I could tell from an outward perspective. But because of that experience, I will never work with them and I will never recommend them to anyone else. And Mm -hmm. that's like that our experiences and our, our sales process with our clients can absolutely make or break our name in the industry. And closing that exact sale. So that's a very dramatic, like that's probably one of the worst experiences I've ever had as far as like a service provider and the sales process. So I don't want to make that sound like that's normal. But even in that same industry, I you know met with several other people. It was very similar. This, the amount of friction that was added in their sales process for me as the client was so extreme that I, I walked away from all of them. I ended up going with a person that gave me straight up answers and spent 45 minutes on a call with me answering everything and gave me the pricing up front before I ever even inquired. So yeah, just just to give a dramatic but real life example of how that can affect your clients. That's good. That's a great way to end this episode because I feel like that just wrapped it all up. Um, just to preface what we what we said, number one, put your pricing on your website. Make sure that the starting prices are there. Number two, respond with a detailed first email that has everything they need to know so you're not wasting their time and end that with a CTA to hop on a call, on the consult call, do the table of contents, like we said, <laughs> that like lays out what you're going to talk about and then gives them the floor to ask their questions if they want to and then really prioritizes relationship and connection first. And then four, send uh, kind, gentle follow-up emails that set boundaries, but also are not pushy and avoid at all possible doing everything that the person did to everything. Same good night. <laughs> all right, friends. Well, we hope this was helpful. We are nerds about marketing and sales combined, which sales is so fun and can be so aligned and ethical if you approach it from the perspective of how can I serve my clients? How can mm-hmm. I make this experience so beautiful, so wonderful, and so easy for them. So just an encouragement to shift that perspective and go out there and serve the heck out of your clients. And we will be here cheering you on. 